You're listening to Wealth Tech on Deck, a podcast about the future of wealth management technology, brought to you by Life Yield. Here's your host, Jack Sherry. Hello, and welcome to Wealth Tech on Deck. The focus of our podcast is to have conversations with industry leaders on strategy around wealth tech today and where it is headed. Today, we are talking with Andrew Selesky. Andrew leads digital advisor solutions at Charles Schwab, where he oversees the suite of technology platforms used by more than 7,500 independent advisory firms who work with Schwab. Andrew, thanks for joining us today. Well, it's great to be here. I appreciate the invite, Jack. This will be fun. I'm looking forward to our conversation. So, Andrew, um, before we get started on your perspective on the wealth management business and where it's headed and beyond, could you provide a high-level review of your career? I know you've done a bunch of things at Schwab and uh, maybe a kind of a Cliff Notes version of where you've been and what you've done. Yeah, no, happy to do that. Uh, and sometimes it scares me when I say I, I've been at Schwab now over 25 years. Uh, I did have a life uh, prior to Schwab. I was with McKinsey and Company for uh, seven years, largely doing financial services work. Uh, but I've had a good long run at Schwab. Um, I, I like to say I've had big jobs, small jobs. Some of the bigger jobs, uh, you know, a variety of branch leadership and sales leadership roles, ultimately leading the branch network across the country. Uh, I spent six years running Schwab.com and related retail applications uh, back in the days when apps were just starting. And then I've had small jobs, uh, startups within Schwab. I, I helped create what we call Schwab Private Client, which was the first fee-based offering at Schwab, the first time we asked clients to pay for Schwab advice. I had the opportunity, uh, really championed by Chuck and Walt directly. Uh, you know, after uh, 40 years of running retail branches, we decided uh, let's give uh, franchisees a chance. And we created what we call independent branch services. So now uh, roughly 75 branches across the countries are run by independent franchisees. Um, and then I'm, I'm based out of San Francisco. We're surrounded by digital natives. Uh, and so a few years back, uh, you know, I was asked to be our first uh, global data officer, effectively looking at what we should be doing with our data. And from that, I transitioned into my current role, which I've been in now for roughly three years, uh, you know, supporting the digital platforms that advisors use to interact with Schwab. So we call it digital advisor solutions, uh, uh, but it's a great uh, digital opportunity. That's great. So you've been around and uh, as we like to refer to it as the confluence of digital and human advice and uh, on all sides of that and uh, leading an important aspect. And we'll talk a little bit, I'm sure, about that now. Um, I understand that you have a little integration going on. So maybe talk about what you're working on currently and some of the things that are keeping you uh, occupied, if not up at night. Yeah, well, integration is, uh, you know, job one now at Schwab. Uh, you know, you started your intro with uh, that, you know, I support uh, a certain number of advisors. That's now with integration, 13,000 advisors uh, is the combined organization. And, uh, you know, what I like to say uh, to my team is uh, integration's not a distraction. It's an acceleration. It's really bringing a level of investment that is unprecedented for Schwab in the digital advisor space. And we're able to accelerate our roadmaps uh, in all different areas, whether that's digital account open, things we're doing you know, in terms of um, move money, investment management, integrations with third parties, really all the various areas we focus on within digital support for advisors are being accelerated you know, by virtue of, of the integration work. We recently shared that we're, we're now you know, you know, expecting that we will get to broker-dealer consolidation in 30 to 36 months from our legal day one, when we first announced uh, legal day one, that was back in October um, of last year, we said uh, 
18 to 36 months to get us to a, a broker deal or consolidation, what we call client day one. Recently, we said we're going to be more on the outer end of that, 30 to 36 months. And, and really the rationale for that is because uh, we're really trying to create a great experience when we bring together these two broker dealers. And also we've just seen such incredible growth you know, in this industry really over the past three to six months. And so at this stage, we're already outpacing some of the projections we made back when we were doing the due diligence around the integration. So we want to plan for that scalability. We want to have a great client experience at at CD1, and, and that's why now we're looking at 30 to 36 months. Yeah, just a couple other thoughts I would add on, on the integration is, uh, you know, this is a, it's a challenge or, or an opportunity. Uh, it's not your typical integration because we're bringing together two strong powerhouses in terms of digital capabilities. There's not one platform to go to. We're, we're really trying to bring together elements of both and, and create not just a, a best of both, but really a better of both type environment. And uh, um, so really there's great capabilities on the Schwab side and there's great capabilities on the TDA side. And you know, that driving that integration for that client day one is, is our focus. And, and then may I'll, last thing I'll add is just the biggest surprise for me so far working, you know, particularly with many of my new TDA colleagues is, is just the quality of the people. It's no surprise we were duking it out, um, you know, pre-integration. A lot of common thoughts about where the industry's going, what technology is needed, but just a, a spirit of collaboration and teamwork and doing what's right for the client that makes it very easy for us to work together. I, I could talk about past integrations Schwab's gone through in, in my 25 years and I would say from a people and cultural perspective, this one clearly is going the best. That's great to hear. So I want to go back to two different things. So in your role at Schwab, do you support all advisors, including the folks on the phone, the folks in the branches of Schwab and the franchisees, as well as the folks uh, out in the uh, uh, RAA world? Is, is it all the above? No. When I use advisor, I, I was thinking about fee-based independent advisors. So uh, gotcha. you know, we have a separate team that supports our internal, you know, what we call financial consultants, um, folks that work in our private client offer and other managed offers. I will say, though, I am part of the digital services team. I report to our chief digital officer, Nisha Hathi. Within her team, we've got, we've centralized all the digital capabilities across the firm. So I work very closely with my colleague, uh, Zach Ibsen, who supports the retail business. And so we're constantly looking for how we leverage common capabilities, you know, really accelerates, you know, both of our deliveries when we can do it once and use it twice. And so that's really a, a key thought process. But uh, my team has full focus on those 13,000 fee-based independent advisors that uh, we're lucky to, to be the custodian for. Great. Another question, you mentioned uh, the rapid growth, and I'm hearing that around the industry. And the statistics I'm reading are that uh, due to COVID, that the number of people retiring is accelerated in that people are retiring sooner. Either they've said, the heck with it, I'm, I'm done, or they've been laid off because of uh, downsizing or what have you. Is that what you're finding? Is, it, is, is that the driver here, people that are retiring sooner? Yeah, I, I mean, it's hard for me to correlate. I mean, I, I do think there's that type of impact, Jack, going on. Uh, we're just seeing a growth in the business uh, that's unprecedented. I mean, we're, we're seeing quarters of performance. We just announced Q1 results. And, and in terms of net new assets, new accounts, I mean, we're doing a level of performance in a quarter that used to be what a year wow. was. Now, part of that is because we're a consolidated organization. 
but it is just dramatic growth. And, and, and we really saw it coming out of COVID in Q4. Q4 was an extremely strong quarter for Schwab on all fronts, whether it's existing you know, RIAs or breakaways, um, you know, on all fronts, uh, we were really strong in Q4 and that's continued into this year. So we like to think it's a, you know, a vote for the independent, you know, that this, this is the model that's probably the fastest growing model in financial services. Uh, retirees probably helping that, but it's, it's more that fiduciary standard, a desire to be in that service model that's really uh, creating this great opportunity. Great. Well, obviously, uh, technology plays a critical role. Uh, that's what you do. That's what you oversee. Talk a little bit, if you will, about where you see this headed, maybe at an industry level. I'm not looking for proprietary secrets, but rather as you're bringing together, certainly TD has some great capabilities, Schwab certainly great capabilities. Talk about a little bit about how that comes together. You say it's working well. How does that translate? How will that transform how, how uh, Schwab delivers to these 13,000 plus uh, RAs in the, in the marketplace? Yeah, I mean, it, it's tough to predict the future clearly, but you know, maybe I'd first comment on some of the trends we're seeing and maybe uh, share a little bit of data to sort of back up some of those trends. And then I'll, I'll get to some of the prognostications maybe a little bit, but uh, you know, maybe just some of the trends we're seeing. I mean, clearly we don't you know, operate in a silo or we're you know, influenced by trends that are going on broadly. Know in you know uh, in the economy and and, and maybe just some that we see that are probably impacting where we need to focus going forward is you know clearly there's a, a health wellness trend. You reference COVID and clearly people are concerned about their personal health, but we're also seeing that that's uh, having a bridging over into their financial health, and people are very concerned about you know am I set up for retirement or my key goals and whatnot. It's driving a heightened level of engagement, which we think is good. Clearly, there's demographic shifts. These aren't new. They don't change overnight. But you know, a stat I saw recently is that you know, women now are responsible for about $10 trillion in assets, financial assets. And uh, you know, the expectation is that will triple in the next 10 years, triple over the next 10 years, $30 trillion that women will have lead responsibility for. Uh, so we need to prepare for that. And advisors need to prepare for that. And maybe the last sort of global trend, and you know, this is influenced by what we do, you know, digitally and all our various interactions, is just that there's rising expectations. We like to say that your last best interaction is your next minimum expectation. Your influence, whether it's that Amazon experience or whatever it might be, and you know, you want it easy, fast, and you want it personalized. And that has implications clearly for what we do in, in financial services. And, and last but not least is just the rate of digital adoption. I mean, that's been another beneficiary of COVID. I mean, I, you know, one of the stats I saw recently was, uh, you know, Disney Plus achieved in five months what it took uh, Netflix seven years to achieve. Another stat is, you know, we've had 10 years of e-commerce growth in the first eight weeks of, of the COVID pandemic. I mean, we were all folk, you know, forced as things were shutting down. And, you know, that, that's changed behavior. That's created an understanding of those approaches which I think are going to be long lasting. So, I mean, those are some trends just, you know, broadly across, you know, uh, the industry, you know, the economy. But uh, you know, I'd say a few other trends that I'd say relate more specifically to the RIA industry is, as I mentioned before, first, we're, we're very bullish on the growth of the RIA model. You know, the power of independence, the fiduciary standard, even with the best interest clause, there's, there's something special about what advisors do. And we think end investors well recognize that. I would also say a second trend for advisors is that, you know, we hear this from advisors is they're not really experiencing price compression. 
What they're experiencing is service expansion. Clients are expecting more for the same price. And that's a challenge, challenge or opportunity, depending on how you view it. Um, so we need to, to enable that. And, and I think one of the key enablers is technology. Technology is a great driver of efficiency and scale. It can you know, eliminate the need for the routine to enable more time for what's special and value add. So we see tech as that great enabler. And I think as you even mentioned that the winning model you know, for advisors is going to be the combination of people and technology. It's not technology alone. It's technology to help drive efficiency and in some cases growth and scale, but it's people that well connected to that, that really creates the stickiness with clients, the trust that's so critical. So th those are just some broad trends, some trends within the advisor space. Maybe, maybe just a little bit of data to sort of back that up is, uh, as you probably know, we do a, what we call our independent advisor outlook study, you know, twice a year. Um, it's the largest survey of its kind. We get over a thousand responses every time we do it. You know, we did a version of it last fall and uh, we just had a version that was just out. So I, I, I'm just gonna quickly refer to both. Uh, the spring results aren't out yet. So you'll get a little preview on some of those, but uh, you know, last fall when we did this, we were clearly in the midst of COVID. Uh, everyone weathering through that. And, and I would say the headline that came out of that survey is that, you know, COVID will have long lasting impact. You know, we are changing behaviors with advisors and within clients that are going to be long lasting. And so examples of that, you know, in the survey that, you know, advisors said roughly 60% said they would have less need for office space. So, you know, that's a trend that's probably going to be long lasting. You know, roughly 50% said we're probably going to be in this continued remote work we now call it hybrid model. I think we're all starting to see that with more companies coming out with their return to office policies. And, uh, and the fact also that, you know, virtual interactions, I would say, are here to stay. You know, roughly 40% of advisors back in the, the fall were saying, you know, all this WebEx, Zoom, it's probably going to continue. I was forced to do it now. Many of my clients who I had to teach them how to do a download. But now that they know how to do it, they realize they don't necessarily have to come into the office every time. It's just more convenient for them. It's easier for their significant other spouse to sit with them at home uh, to do a portfolio review. It's probably not going to go away. So I think COVID has some long lasting impacts. And then, you know, the, the recent survey I'll just briefly touch on, I think the headline from that is that technology, you know, is a lead driver of innovation. COVID has definitely driven more innovation with advisors. Roughly 60% are saying they're seeing a level of innovation they probably would not have seen absent COVID. And when they look at sort of what's really driving that innovation, technology is the lead driver of that innovation. You know, other drivers are the need for process, you know, enhancements, some changes in client needs, but technology comes away as the, the core driver of what's creating that growth and innovation, which is great to see. So, you know, with that backdrop, you know, you know, what do we see going forward? What, you know, what do we think are the trends? Uh, there's probably four I'll just touch on. Um, you know, one is digitization. We've got to stay focused on streamlining transactions. We're still too paper-based. Um, we're still an industry that drowns in NIGO, not in good order. Continuing to digitize more transactions, it's clearly a focus here at Schwab and it will continue to be so. And I really think COVID's opened the door to that. You know, more clients are willing to do an e-authorization, maybe to use a DocuSign. It just sets us up for more digital interactions, which can reduce NIGO. We've demonstrated that, can enable straight through processing. A lot of goodness comes from that. Second, I would say is automation. 
Automation is really different than digitization. Autom automation is, uh, you know, making it so you don't really have to do it. Um, you know, freeing up your time more. And I think there's real opportunities in the investment management space. You know, we've seen that uh, through some of our surveys, more and more advisors saying, you know, maybe I don't really want to be that money manager. Maybe I, you know, I can, I can automate more of that. Um, using tools like now with TDA, with iRebow and the Model Market Center. Now, how do we expand some of those capabilities? Doing some of the things we've been doing in digital advice with institutional intelligent portfolios. Um, so we see a real opportunity for more automation, but particularly in the, in the investment management space. Third, you know, I, I, I would be lacking if I didn't say personalization. Um, everyone talks about personalization, data-enabled personalization. Maybe the key area I'd focus on is uh, personalized investing. We have a real focus at Schwab on things like direct indexing, thematics. Now we're in an era where you can personalize the product. Um, you know, you don't have to buy a standard index anymore. You know, you want to exclude certain things, concentrated positions, ESG skew, you know, you're able to do it. Thematics, great opportunity. And so we had an acquisition of Motif last year. And, and so that's a key area of focus for us is uh, personalization in a variety of forms, but particularly around investment management. And, 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 and last but not least, I would say, you know, integrations will continue to be key. I'd like to you know, say it's probably hard for any single provider to do everything well. We as a custodian, Schwab, we, we know we can't do everything you know, that an advisor needs. Integrations are key. And we want to enable choice. We know advisors, you know, no two advisors are probably going to want the same exact tech stack. They're going to want to choose what's right for them. We've got to play to that broad field. And no one has a, a stronger commitment to the fintech ecosystem than Schwab in terms of the broad breadth of relationships we want to have and continue to grow. So that, that, those are, you know, it's a long answer, Jack. So let me take a breath, see where you want to go. Well, that uh, we've had a number of uh, folks uh, on our podcast. I have to say that is the most thorough explanation of why Schwab is the industry leader. And as others have done explaining why they might be leaders, uh, you've, uh, you've outdone them, I have to say. So nice job. So I, all my questions that I was going to follow up with, you answered. So clearly you guys have figured out how to pull it all together. So my congratulations and uh, admiration for that matter. So we're going to start to wind our conversation down now. Maybe a quick summary. What what are three things that uh, you'd want to leave with our audience in terms of what they might benefit from, or you might offer as in terms of uh, what you've learned over these past many years and pu pulling all this stuff together? Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, maybe three key takeaways. Maybe I'll stretch it to a fourth too. Is uh, the first I'd say is you know tech enables scale and efficiency, but it also enables growth and competitive edge. So you know, advisors know they they need to be active in the tech space. I, I know it's challenging. There's a broad ecosystem out there. There's a lot of options. Uh, you know, we're we're here to help. You know, we've got consultants and others that can help uh, advisors navigate that uh, you know that ecosystem. But you know. Technology is key. As we've discussed, you know, it's not technology alone. I, I like to say technology is necessary, but it's not sufficient. It's that combination of technology and people. And that's really what advisors embrace. Um, you know, that's why we think it's a winning model. But, uh, you know, I think it's good for them to hear from, you know, the leader of, you know, Schwab's digital, you know, advisor tech. We know it's about the people too. We really focus on how do we, you know, use our technology to bring the best out of the people and create the most room for where they can be truly value add. Um, so that's third. And, and, and maybe, or second, and maybe third, I would say, is, is just uh, the importance of building and retaining trust 
has probably never been more important. I mean, we've all seen it lately just with vaccinations. I mean, I, I think many of us who have been fully vaccinated, uh, I'm one of those are, are just bewildered by people not willing to take advantage of this. Isn't the COVID threat so far worse than the fear of the vaccine yet? Yet it's trust. You know, trust is, is so important. And, you know, trust with your money. You know, nothing's more important than trust. And we want to make sure that, you know, what we're doing with our technology, the availability, the security you know, that we put in place, uh, how we enable the, you know, those value add interactions with people are always building trust. You know, we recognize that. And so, you know, maybe the fourth thing I'd add, and, and we talked about this too, is just, you know, my confidence and excitement about the Schwab TDA integration and the, and the value I think that's going to bring, uh, you know, whether that's security, efficiency, choice, you know, we're really building an offering that we, we hope is uh, right for the current generation of advisors and hopefully right for the next generation of advisors, um, you know, as we evolve. So I, I think it's, uh, you know, a very bright opportunity for Schwab, for the clients, you know, we're able to serve. And, uh, you know, I look forward to seeing how things evolve. Well, this has been terrific. I really enjoyed this conversation. I, uh, As a student of Schwab, I thought I knew a lot, but uh, I learned a lot more today, so I appreciate that. Before we uh, f- say farewell for now, maybe if you could share a, something that's interesting or unique you do outside of work. We do this with each of our guests. Things that you do that uh, people may not know about you or would find interesting or surprising. So please tell us. Yeah. And this is, in some ways, Jack, this is the hardest question. It comes back to me. <laughs> me the way I'll respond to this is, uh, you know, it's funny. Uh, you know, my wife, you know, and, I, and we rarely talk about work. She she knows I'm doing this podcast, but doesn't really know what it's about. So I thought I'd share a story that sort of ties back to my wife so I can share back with her. And, and the story is... Uh, Last Friday, we celebrated 35 years since our first date. So I, I can remember it well. It was bowling at Fiesta Lanes in Palo Alto. Probably the best bowling my wife and I ever did because we're both very competitive. I can't say we've been regular bowlers since. Um, but uh, 35 years since our first date, 30-year wedding anniversary this year. I guess I can connect that back to Schwab and 25-plus years at Schwab. As you probably say, I'm, a, I'm not a grass is greener type guy. I'm, a, you know, I kind of... I would say I'm more of a, a, a stick with what I have and optimize it, yes. you know, whether that's the relationships, you know, where I work. Uh, so that's, you know, the challenge I bring back to my team. Uh, you know, we've got a great set of resources and opportunities ahead and my discipline towards continuing to optimize that for the benefit of our clients. So maybe that's a good place to land. That's a wonderful story. And congratulations. Uh, it's good to see loyalty still matters. And uh, <laughs> clearly you demonstrate that. So uh I want to uh, thanks uh, thank thank you, uh, Andrew. This has been a wonderful conversation. Really uh, enjoyed it. It's been a great deal of fun. For our listening audience, if you are you've enjoyed our podcast, please rate, review, and share what we're doing here at Wealth Tech on Deck. We are available wherever you get your podcasts. So, Andrew, thank you. It's been a great pleasure. I enjoyed it very much. Well, thank you, Jack. I enjoyed it as well. Thanks again for the invite. Very good. Till we meet again. Thanks for listening to this episode of Wealth Tech on Deck, our ongoing conversation about improving financial outcomes for all. This podcast is brought to you by Life Yield and produced by Reverb. Subscribe to future episodes in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can connect with our host, Jack Sherry, on LinkedIn and Twitter. And for more information about our perspective on the future of financial advice, visit our website at lifeyield.com.